Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. A panel of federal judges has declared that Ohio's congressional map is an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. They ruled that the redistricting process, which locked in 12 Republican House victories out of 16 seats since 2012, was permeated by, quote, invidious partisan intent. Joining me is Josh Douglas, a professor at the University of Kentucky College of Law and author of the book, Vote for Us. Josh, explain the panel's decision and reasoning. Thanks, June. Well, the opinion was uh, 300 pages, so we'd probably take a long time to explain (laughs) all of it. But simplified, essentially, the panel unanimously ruled that Ohio's partisan gerrymander was unconstitutional, both under the Equal Protection Clause and the First Amendment, and essentially saying that the map was drawn with both the partisan intent and a partisan effect, and the state couldn't justify it by any means beyond just a blatant desire to harm the minority political party. This decision is the latest in a string of state and federal court decisions striking down maps. Is there a common thread in all these decisions? Well, I think there's a couple common threads. One is that numerous judges now have found that there are judicially manageable standards to consider and analyze partisan gerrymandering. You know, many justices of the Supreme Court have said essentially that the court should not be open to these claims because there's no way for judges to craft a judicial test that would determine when gerrymanders go too far. And now you have multiple courts all coalescing around a standard. And then the other thing that's common is the standard that's actually being used, which is this combination essentially of an intent framework as well as an effect framework, demonstrating the partisan effect that the maps have, essentially meaning that the map makers packed and cracked the other side's voters in such a way to ensure that they could stay in power. Josh, do all these decisions depend now on how the Supreme Court rules in the two gerrymandering cases it has before it? Yeah, essentially. So all these cases are before three-judge district courts with direct appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. So they'd skip over the Court of Appeals stage and have a direct appeal. But as you note, June, the Supreme Court has two cases pending before right now, one from North Carolina and the other from Maryland. And if the court says that there are no standards out there and that the court shouldn't be involved, then these cases essentially would go away. I think that would be pretty strange for the court to say that now that we have four different courts in recent months ruling unconstitutional gerrymanders. And then if the court does set out a standard in the Maryland or North Carolina cases, we'll have to see to what extent that is consistent with the standards that these lower courts have used. Well, the Supreme Court before decided not to make a broad ruling about partisan gerrymandering. Is it likely that the justices might try to evade that as well this time? Well, I think it's hard to say. Again, these cases come on direct appeal, so essentially the court has to take them. 
even refusing to hear the case would act as a summary affirmance, given the unique nature of the procedural posture, where the court isn't granting cert like it does in, in normal cases on a discretionary basis. It's a mandatory a direct appeal. And so the court has to do something with the Maryland and North Carolina cases, just like it will have to do something with these other cases once eventually they are appealed. So the question then becomes, well, what will the court actually do in these North Carolina and Maryland cases? You know, on the one hand, they could try to set out a standard and then say, okay, here's a test to root out the worst of the partisan gerrymanders. But there might be five votes to say that the courts simply should stay out of the business altogether, that this is part and parcel of politics and that there are no judicially manageable standards out there, in which case the courts would have to essentially stay out and and these lower court cases would be vacated. So now let's go back to the ruling here. If it does stand, will they be able to make the deadline of mid-June to draw a new map? Well, that's obviously going to be uh, difficult, especially because, you know, we're only a couple months out from the new deadline. My suspicion is that Ohio will appeal this to the Supreme Court and ask for a stay and that the court will stay the case until it decides the Maryland and North Carolina case. So I suspect that we won't see any real action in terms of redrawing lines, even if this map were to be upheld, until after the Supreme Court does what it decides to do in the North Carolina and Maryland cases. And Josh, is there a way of telling in these cases, if the cases continue uh, as they are without being reversed, is it advantage Democrats or advantage Republicans or you can't tell? Well, I think it's advantage to whoever does not currently control the map drawing process. You know, in Ohio and in Michigan, the other case that came down last week, it was the Republicans that had been drawing the lines to entrench themselves in power. But in the Maryland case, it's the Democrats who drew uh, at least one particular district to make it go from favor Republican to favor Democrats. In North Carolina, it has been the Republicans who have controlled the map drawing process. So essentially, if the courts step in and say, we're going to craft a test to root out the worst partisan gerrymanders, just like this Ohio court did, then it takes some power away from, or a lot of power, away from the party that currently controls the legislature and can draw the lines. Now, the other thing I'd note is that this case really only applies to 2020 in Ohio because the state's voters did pass a form of redistricting commission that would take the process, at least initially, out of the hands of the legislature. And I think that's also an important thing to think about is that in 2021, when we do the new round of redistricting, the process will look a lot different in many places. Do you think redistricting by commission is the best way to do it? I do, um, because we've seen that a commission, especially one that's independent, that has multiple voices, you know, has greater independence and therefore greater fairness. You're not trying to entrench one side or the other. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. That's Josh Douglas, professor at the University of Kentucky College of Law and author of the book, Vote for Us. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.